Happy Monday evening, everybody. Uh, it's good to be with you. And tonight we have uh, a wonderful program. I mean, it's going to be remarkable because we've been looking forward to meeting this individual. We're going to bring him in via live stream. And I'll explain that in a moment. But I, I want to tell you this. You know, we've been going through all the stuff with the county and all the concerns and all the worries. And we've been talking about COVID and all that. We're not going to do that tonight. I don't, I don't want to talk about any of that. I I'm, I'm, just want to take a break. And I want to really have some time with what I consider to be a hero. Yeah. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. I definitely agree. You're, you're going you're gonna to be in the presence of greatness tonight. I, I was introduced to this individual through my nephew, who's a Navy SEAL. And when a Navy SEAL call, calls you and says, you got to watch something, and my, my nephew's, he's ripped. He's got muscles in places where I don't have places. He's, he's, a, he's a Navy yeah. SEAL. He's, you know, and he's a commander. So yeah. he knows what he's talking about. And he says, Uncle Rob, you got to watch this movie called Free Burma Rangers. And um, my nephew wanted to be um, a priest. And uh, he ended up being a Navy SEAL. And I always looked at that because when you look at Romans 13, you carry the sword, you're ministers of justice to execute wrath on those who would do evil. And they're both ministers. You have a, you know, someone in, in the clergy and then somebody that holds the line. And, and these two are, are very unique, but they're also ordained by God. Mm-hmm. Well, with tonight's guest, you have a combination of the two. Yeah. Uh, his name's Dave Eubank. And uh, I want to show you a clip of the movie that my nephew said, Uncle Rob, you've got to watch this. We've been promoting it every night. And, uh, and when my nephew told me, I put it in and my wife and I were captivated from beginning to end. I- I've watched it three times. I- I'm stunned by this movie. If you haven't seen it, you need to. We've been telling you that. And after you meet the man tonight, it- if that doesn't move you, you need to go to a doctor because there's something wrong with you. I'm serious. Anyways, take a look at this preview. You have one life, and you might as well go for it, because what are you going to hold on to? I grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand. I remember thinking, I think I'm more of a soldier. I felt God had something else for me to do. I turned to Karen, and I said, I'm going to Burma. Will you come with me? Will you marry me? I felt in my heart, say no and let it go, or you say yes and you get in. I have no other plan, just go. Go to the sound of the guns, go to the sound of need, and trust God to show you how you can be useful. David Eubank, a former Special Forces captain, has gone on to found a relief group called the Free Burma Rangers. Helping those fleeing the front lines of war. His wife and three children go with him into the conflict areas. As we did these relief missions, more and more ethnic people began to join us. I want to go and help my people as I can. We hope these things will change the world. We're here on the border of Iraq, and these are all refugees that have been fleeing ISIS. This is the craziest thing in the world to do, and yet we knew we had to respond. I felt God's voice, get on your knees and pray. Get on my knees. 
I look like a Christian nutcase, man. Ice is just opens up on three sides. Bullets are pinging off the Humvee like crazy. Everything is just right there on the edge. How far is that going to take Dave? Ah, alive! What's happened to you is wrong. We're going to help you. Even if you die trying, we're not going to leave you. Because you count. Jesus, help me. You know one of the reasons why we're not talking about COVID tonight? Because COVID looks like child's play after you yeah, see that. Yeah, th- this, is, this is an amazing movie. And, and, and uh, Dave Eubank is, I, I can't wait to meet him in person, but we've had the privilege to get to know each other as I've, I've watched him on this movie. But through you, Alex, you, you have been moved by Dave and you're part of the Free Burma Rangers. You're, you're participating. As a church, we've been able to support you being a part of that. And uh, the chance for us to connect, that people would connect these dots and Dave would be here. Uh, I'm, I, I don't want to talk anymore. I want to have Dave come <laughs> out. Dave, you there? Yes, hey. sir. Welcome. It's a joy to have you. Can you hear us? I can hear you, sir. All right. <laughs> I, I'm only now figuring out who you are. <laughs> Thank God for you. Oh, really? And what you're doing for God's kingdom from California through America and the whole world. One of my friends, Nicole Savage, says, that's my pastor. Wow. So, thanks. Uh, I'm, I'm honored. I, I'm, you're in the book of who's who. I'm in the book of who's he. But uh, thank you. I, I, I'm touched by that. I, I, was, I was moved because you, you went to Texas A&M, didn't you? I did, sir. I'm here right now. Oh, in Texas A&M. Texas A&M. My two daughters just starting their first week in school right now. Oh, awesome. So they're following the dad's tradition. And, but you, you graduated with a political science degree. That's, uh, you were thinking politics because that's what I did. And then I ended up ministry and you went into the uh, Army Rangers. And now you're, you're doing this thing that is hard. I mean, most people can't process this. So. But political science, were you thinking of politics at all? Not so much, sir. I was interested in it. I was thinking more of being in the military. And it seemed like a degree that I was, this is my family. Hello, family. There's Karen. Hey, there's All a kid. Right. There's Peter. Go for it. Oh, what a Hi, Hi I'm, I'm Rob. This, you know Alex. And this is David Glinky. It rhymes with Slinky. <laughs> and, and so, Hi, I'm Sue. Hi, Sue. Hi, I'm Peter. I know there. Yeah. yeah. Hi, I'm Sahili. Hi, Alex. I know all of you because I've watched you on the, on the movie. And uh, what a joy to see you guys. And that you'd come out as a family to be with us. Uh, we, we started this, this nightly live stream uh, for all of the folks who'd been shut in during the COVID. And uh, it's grown to over 10,000 subscribers. And we get to have amazing people like you on the program but tonight for me, it's special because you, you had commented that uh, one of our parishioners had told you what we're doing and you thanked me and people are saying, you know, you're facing persecution and you're so brave. And in all reality, uh, who would ever thought you're, you're, you're going to be labeled as that for just simply having church on Sunday? There's no persecution. We got a $3,000 fine. I'm watching the Free Burma Rangers. I'm seeing all your kids and your wife, Karen, they're all on the front line, bullets whizzing, and you're going in there and saving lives and loving on people. That 
<laughs> is intense. What we're doing here, walk in the park. Yeah. Walk in the park. So talk to us. How, how, how did this come about? Well, first, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who's watching this that's part of your family and those that aren't sure. Father, please touch their hearts that they would know you and your power. And thank you for Pastor Rob and Mr. Slinky and also <laughs> Alex, who almost died with us on a mountaintop. And thank you for the stand they, they're taking. That's not a stand of man, but a stand of God. And you lead us in different ways, but I am just thanking you that you led them this way. And so, Lord, I ask for protection and blessing and not protection from suffering, because that draws us closer to you, but protection from destruction. Yes. And may they grow closer to you, and may this be part of what brings our uh, everyone to our knees to you who love us, who will lift us back up again and give us what we really want. And so I ask you bless this night and bless this church. And you said this, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. And so, Lord, thank you. And our enemy is not of the people. It's the powers and principalities. And we know Amen. that. So yes, we thank Lord. you that we as sinners are not better than anybody, Amen. but you are. And we follow you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. David, thank you for doing that. I, uh, I love the, the reminder to all who tune in that people aren't the enemy. They're the opportunity. People think that what we're doing as a church is for religious liberty. The, the truth of the matter is what we're doing is for the sake of our entire community that's suffering under these overwhelming draconian measures. And, and if we face some sort of challenge for their sake, that's okay. And we're even doing it on behalf of those who are trying to impose those. We love them. We, we love our leaders. We, we want them to know the Lord. I don't think there's a better person to speak to that than, than you and your family because you're having, you're having to go into an area to, to, to love people in the midst of complete chaos and bloodshed and total confusion and bringing the presence of Christ. How, did, how does that process with you? It comes naturally, sir, to go to action. It comes unnaturally, supernaturally to go to action with love. You guys taking off? Wait, hey, I want my kids in here real quick. They, they both got studying to do. But I'm having them take my place, and can you ask them whatever questions you want, and then they'll be released. Oh, for, for <laughs> on. yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay, uh, now you're the oldest, correct? No, sir. I'm the middle. Okay, so you're the middle. Who's the oldest? I know Peter. You're the youngest. Okay, there we go. All right. I'm sir. All right. So, at any time, was this just? crazy to you guys? Did you ever not want to do it? Or, or you right away, you just thought, Hey, this is, this is the most exciting thing. Your faith is being challenged. Even, even as you're young, you get to see it on the front lines. Your Christian faith is applicable in what you're seeing. What, how do you process that as a teenager, especially? Well, for me personally, I have grown up with people surrounding me that have gone through the same things that I've gone through. And even though it's not normal, it's not as out of reach or hard to grasp for me to believe or to understand as it is a lot more other people. I think of military as kind of a family because I've grown up surrounded by them. Yeah. And 
basically I was running at Texas A&M early in the morning and I saw the core doing their workouts on the grass and doing push-ups, sit-ups, getting yelled at. And I actually kind of felt like I was back at home in Burma <laughs> with all the rangers yeah. <laughs> yeah. in the morning. But it's so that was kind of sweet for me. But I think there's definitely been some times where I am at a complete loss of understanding and don't even know how to process the the reality of that I should be peaceful about this and that this is God's plan and more of questions towards God, like how do you expect me to process all this and how do you expect me to be okay with this? And there's been those times that I just felt him ask, ask me if he, tr if I trust him yeah. and if I trust him that he's going to give me the peace and he always does. And he always does abundantly. Yeah, your your mom and dad raised you guys on the front lines in Burma, front lines, even when you guys, you're dealing with Syria now. So you guys have seen all this. You've done your homeschooling while you're on the front lines, while you're experiencing all this. For either of you, of the three of you, did, did any of you have a difficulty transitioning back to the States and processing? Because we've, we've got a missionary, or we've got a pastor on staff who's lived longer in Africa than he's lived in the United States. And the transition for he and his wife was a little difficult but, but they weren't on, I mean, they were dealing with stuff, but not frontline bullets whizzing the whole bit. So how'd you guys transition? Any difficulty? Oh, they're, looking, they're looking at Peter? Or what are we doing? Uh, you're the man. Look at got, that man? smile. Do you so want your... for me personally, yeah. it hasn't been much of a change. Going back from Syria to Burma or Burma to America or Syria to America, because I feel like we've grown up doing this, going from, Thailand to America, back to Burma, and then to Syria. So for me, it's not a big change or culture shock because yeah. we've been doing it so much. Now, do, do the three of you speak, because languages come easier when you're younger. Did you guys pick up languages a little bit easier? So for me personally, I know the language of Thailand a little bit and a little bit of uh, Karen and Burmese, barely. But Saheli has learned to speak Karen almost fluently, and Suzanne has learned to speak Thai almost fluently also. All right. So I'd be a lot like you, Peter. I, I, I can't. I, I struggle with language. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but that's great. And, and, and so the, no issue in transition for you. And, the, and, and ladies, nothing for you guys? It, it's seamless? I mean, a little bit of transition? or? Well, yeah, I think it is transition moving to a, a different place you never really lived in before. It'll be the first time Suzanne had actually stayed in one place for over like two, three months. And so that will be interesting and not being surrounded by a culture that speaks a completely different language. As Peter said, Suzanne and I speak. Suzanne's probably the best language speaker out of all of us, especially for Thai. I'm still studying. I'm not close to fluent yet. So okay. learning. Um, but none of us are fluent in any language, just learning bits and pieces of like Karen from Burma, Burmese, Thai, Kurdish, and Arabic. But um, it's definitely a transition. There's sometimes that I think, man, I the war zones are so much easier than the college life. But it's more <laughs> and I'm actually, I love it here. It's pretty awesome. Classes are great. And yeah, it's going really well. Are, and are you, polo is awesome too. Suzanne and I are going to join the polo club team. Okay. Now, is, uh, imagine A&M's not on lockdown. You guys, classes are open. Things are good? It's supposed to be a half and half. Half classes are open, half aren't. So okay. It's, it's clean. 
California's all locked down. We just, everyone has to study via a television screen. It's awful. So. Yep, that's why we're not going to California. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. That, that kind of that hurt on the inside, but I'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, education. How'd you guys do your schooling? Because everyone wants to know. I mean, some of my kids were homeschooled. Obviously, you're, you're out there. How'd your mom and your dad pull that off? Well, mom is a great teacher, so she taught us everywhere from uh, Syria, where we were helping ISIS wounded women and children out. She, whenever there was a break in the mass flooding in, she would tell us to get our work done, get my math done. There's actually a picture of me sitting on the back of the Humvee <laughs> studying Bible and history. And then one time, our truck lost its wheel, wheel while we were driving down Washington State Highway. And um, as soon as the truck broke down, mom popped out of the car and said, it's time to do school since we knew we'd be there for a little bit until the tow truck came. Yeah. So right. takes every opportunity. She's a great teacher, extremely patient and persevered through all of us because we're not always the easiest to work with. <laughs> yeah. And obviously she was good because you got into Texas A&M. That's, that's yeah. oh, it's a miracle. No, that <laughs> is God's goodness. And they did that with the miracles God gave them for understanding. I call it the fish in the love school. So really, there's just a lot of intercession that I did for them during uh, higher math and science. So, <laughs> well, I, I people were as intrigued with your husband and you, but I, I, the number of people that have watched the Free Burma Rangers spoke so wonderfully of your children and captivated by them, and and all three of you, God bless you guys. I, it, you you set an example for young people because in, in the United States of America. They, they've never been challenged. They haven't done the hard thing. And you guys have done that. And, and now the opportunities and the individual understanding and the way that your faith has been formulated and your love for the Lord and your trust in him. So God bless you guys. And then Karen, I just wanted to tell you, um, when, I, when I saw the movie, um, I, I remember when, when in the beginning, he, your husband's asking you to marry him. And, and uh and if I were you at that point when he said, we're going, I would have just said, I'm out of here. What are we crazy? But, but you, you just, uh, you, you raised a family and, and you, you did all that. And the, the picture God gave your husband and, and as a family, you did it together. I, I yeah, just, I'm, I'm blessed by you. You're amazing. Well, it took a lot of help from a lot of people all over. And Dave just has a gift of encouragement, and I wanted to live my life with that. And I never saw the end of the dots. It's sort of been a connect-the-dot thing that always makes sense every step. So you don't have to have the big picture. You just have to have the next step in front of you. I love that. That's yeah. precious. Well, I, I, um, I was introduced to you, and I said at the beginning of the program, I was introduced to your whole family by my nephew, who's a Navy SEAL. He's a commander in the Navy SEALs. He's teaching actually at the Naval Academy. And he said, Uncle Rob, you've got to see this movie. He wanted to be a priest. His family's Catholic. He wanted to be a priest. And then he became a Navy SEAL. And I thought, this is kind of a hybrid of, of your husband, your father, and actually all of you in a sense, because you love the Lord, but you're also on the front lines contending. And uh, I can see why my nephew wanted me to see it. And I was captivated the minute I saw it. And so was my wife. And I have to just tell all four of you, I haven't had a chance to talk with Dave yet, but I have to tell all four of you, I, I'm Irish and I have the gift of speaking and I'm intimidated talking with you because <laughs> I honestly can't process your faith. And, I, and I, 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 I marvel at it. I'm grateful for it. It challenges me. 
And it also strengthens me. And I'm, I'm grateful for all of you. I'm, I'm really speechless, even to the youngest, to the oldest of the three. And then uh, Karen, yourself, I, even before I talk with Dave, I, I'm, I'm paralyzed. I, people yeah. know, they've seen 145 <laughs> episodes of this. I can't even speak. I'm having a problem right now. And yeah. you're not helping me. <laughs> I'm like seeing you, you know, yeah, meet your true heroes. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. We look forward to seeing you in person as soon as possible. All right. Bless you guys. Thank yeah. you. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Why did you do that to me? Your, family, your family's amazing. I'm paralyzed. <laughs> thank you. And Irish are good at talking and fighting. That's something else they're good at. Well, yeah. I'm also Scottish, so don't forget about that now, though, Davey. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, McCoy. Freedom! That's right. <laughs> Scottish. That's great. Uh, and, and you call me sir. I do better if you call me Rob. Uh, I, I don't carry a rank. Right. So. Yeah. Uh, now, you, you, you came out of Texas A&M. You were in the Corps of Cadets. And then you went immediately into the Army and went to Ranger School. And how'd that work? Well, while I was a cadet, I actually went to ranger school, which is not that normal, but I had an opportunity to do it. And I was a one focus only, be a warrior. I, not be a warrior, I was a warrior. And, you know, in the movie Saving Private Ryan, Tom Hanks plays the commander of this small ranger unit tasked with finding Ryan. Tom Hanks, his character, that's a soldier, that's not a warrior. Yeah. That's a making soldier. And a warrior is not necessarily better than a soldier. The soldier's there because he either has to be or feels a higher duty. But if you look at that movie, the warrior is that young Southern guy with a sniper rifle. Yeah. He's a killer, man. I was a warrior, I think, since I was born. Doesn't mean I'm good at any of it, but it's I don't get tired. Maybe that's the definition. It does not make me tired. It doesn't yeah. put me out. It doesn't bother me. You get the more chaos, the more focused I get. The more yeah. dead, do it. Yeah. You get you get tired in the work but not of the work. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I, I and I remember being a young lieutenant thinking, man, if they only knew they don't have to pay me, I'll do this for no pay forever. <laughs> and, well the military but, didn't pay that well, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, you weren't too big for yeah. But but for me, I was I was close to like a Pharisee in the sense that the Pharisees believe in God and follow him and the rules, but but God is second. Their own selves and their ideas of what it's like to follow God is first. And that's a violation of the first commandment. And that was me. Yeah. Warrior yeah. punk. And yes, I believe in God. God is first, but I didn't act like it. Yeah. And through a lot of failure, I was brought to my knees and realized, Dave, you're a total hypocrite. I mean, that's normal. Hypocrite is, we're all hypocrites because we want to do one thing, we do the other. That's actually not the worst thing as long as you admit it. But worse than that was I had God second. And when I was on my knees and asking God forgiveness, I said, okay, I'll get out of the army and see what happens. That's one way. Or I'll stay in the army and put you first. And I felt like God say, either one. You can be in serving my kingdom, either one. What do you want to do? As long as you put me first, I'll bless you. I'll be with you. Amen. And I thought about it, and I thought, man, if you get out of the army, you're going to miss the action. You're going to miss the legalized mayhem. You're going to miss all the people around you. You're going to miss that challenge. And it's, you're, gonna, you're actually 
I don't know if I'm good at it, but I'm natural at it. And you're going to miss that. But I thought, I know what the Army's like. I wonder what it's like just to go out and see what happens. And to me, that was another kind of adventure. You know, Bilbo Baggins said, adventure, 30 nasty things. Make you late for dinner. But adventure means you don't know what's going to happen. I thought, I want to do that. And I also had this idea that if I put God first and served him, I'd be a holier person. Maybe I could really help people. But I found out as I put God first, I could help more people. But I was not holier. I saw more of my sin. Oh, my goodness. It's not. I'm not really a better person, but I'm closer to Jesus, and I can see the sins, and I can, with his help, get rid of them, some of them, and enough to be free. And so I, I think from that, I left the Army and met Karen, went to seminary, asked her to marry me, as you said many times. She was, no, 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 no. But finally, <laughs> a tribe from Burma called and said, um, can you come help us? Burma's a 70 years of civil war now. So my, finally, Karen said yes. That was a total miracle. In California, I love California. Yeah, it is so beautiful. And the church is strong up and down and all over. And sometimes you might feel like Elijah did. God, I'm the only one. No, no, no. They're out there. Amen. They're out there. They are. And, and Rob, if you lead, as you lead as God tells you, you're encouraging others to lead as God tells them. When I came back to America, I said, God, what am I going to do here? I, I don't want to go back to America because, one, because of all the travel restrictions, I may not be able to get back to Thailand and Burma or Syria. That's one. Two, what am I going to say in America? I see the, the current problems. So there's the old problems and these the new ones. Right. And I'm going to be really bad, man. I'm going to be useless. And I prayed, and God told me this. One, God is bigger than every problem, everything, all the time. Amen. Jesus is the answer to every problem. Keep praising him. Amen. Number two, take the log out of my own eye so that I can better see to take the speck out of someone else's eye. Amen. And then number three, stay in your lane. Only do and say what God tells you. Even if you're sure you're right, don't do a thing unless God tells you. But then when he tells you, do it with all your might because he's with you. Don't hold back. And so as you leave, Rob, and, and others in the church, don't worry about what people do or don't do. They're listening to God and doing something different. Yeah. That's between them and God. It's another, another flank. Or they're not listening to God. Well, that's between them and God. But you are doing what God has you do. And I thank God for that. Listening to you, it gives me a lightness in my heart. Oh, they're fighting, they're fighting the battle you want, Lord. I don't get to fight that one. I'll fight whatever you want me to fight. But they're doing this. And you're inspiring and giving courage to others. So I, I thank you. And right now, I'm not sure of our role in America. But when I came back, I thought, Lord, I throw my hat in the ring. Whatever you want me to do but only what you want me to do. So we're here putting our girls into college and watching them play polo, and that's a whole miracle. I'm in the house now of the captain of the championship polo team. I mean, it's long, long ago. And he set them all up like they went to the front of the line. We don't play a lot of polo in Burma. They're great riders, but you don't just show up and join a polo team, but they're on it. Yeah. So that is a miracle. And it's, I've been happy. And I thought, how could I be happy? when I'm not doing my work there because we're doing God's work here Amen. Yeah. and God has special places everywhere. And so dear viewer, if God calls you out of a special God place, don't worry. He's got more. He's yeah. got more. And it doesn't diminish the place you just came from. Yeah. That's quality of God's love and creation. 
You yeah. go where he sends you and watch what happens. Yeah. Dave, I, I'm, I'm grateful for your encouragement and your exhortation. I, I want to tell you personally uh, how you ministered to me, not just now, but previous. We opened the church on April 4th uh, for, for Palm Sunday, for communion, when the governor had said that the church was non-essential. And I, I had watched your movie, and, and this, the singular focus of what you described, the Lord said one thing to me. He just said, the church is essential. Have communion. And, and that, that's all I needed to do. I didn't have to worry about anything else. We abided by the CDC standards. We did what was required. We knew we were in violation, but we, that's what he said, and I just did it. And then we were worried about after the violation of the restraining order, what would happen? There'd be thousands of people here. We met with the elders, and it was the same thing that I'd gotten from your movie. The, the singular focus, God said, we're going to have church. I don't have to worry about the crowds outside. I don't have to worry about the protesters. That's not our problem. We're going to have church. And, and every step, every decision, the simplicity of that, I'm grateful to you. you you've, you've allowed me to see that Peace is not the absence of conflict or danger. It's the presence of the Lord in the midst of it that you hear is still small voice. That's all I have to hear in the midst of the cacophony of noise. And yeah, I'm not called to what you're doing. Maybe someday I will be, I don't know. But it was so helpful for me to see that God works in, the, in, the, in simplicity in the most chaotic of circumstances. You, you kept saying that in your movie one thing he'd tell you, like to go get that, that girl whose mother died. One thing. I, I, I loved that. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I can deal <laughs> with a simple order. And, and that, that really helped me, Dave. Thank you. You've yeah. blessed me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Dave, I was going to ask three times in the movie, um, the two girls at the very beginning that were killed and then your friend translator that was killed, and that family that you just rescued that got hit by the landmine. And your initial action, at least in the movie, was that thing of vengeance. And you came all the way around to love and forgiveness. And that's something that we're dealing with in the United States as we get frustrated with other people. How have you, can you expand a little bit? Because that happened like three times in the movie. Can you expand on your thoughts on that? Yes, I, I, I want to start with also about doing that one thing. I, I've been in many situations where I was offered something if I wouldn't do something else. And I thought better to be small and free than big and in chains. Amen. Be small, free. And then it's one thing. I don't know what's going to lead to. I don't know. But it's, it's that step of commitment. It's liberating. It's liberating and it's fun Amen. and it's very, you know what to do. Wow. And so I love hearing the story about the church, about the church opening and it's opening out of love. It's Amen. opening out of love. It is. And perfect love cast out fear. Amen. So I'm praying for y'all and, and with y'all. And I think what makes it work when you open is that Jesus is present with you. He's the one that told you, open. He's the one that told you that it's essential. Yeah. It's his church. He's the one that told Peter, the gates of hell won't prevail against it. It's his spirit. So for me, 
the only way I could forgive when ISIS killed my friends and then killed this, this child that I was close to, I could not do it with any philosophy, no. willpower, nothing. And it made no sense to me. But when I said, Jesus, I give her revenge, forgive me, it was surgically gone. Amen. You can't control what Jesus is going to do for you. But whatever he wants you to do, you ask for help. If he wants it done, it will be done now. Amen. And now being when it's needed, it could be this second or it could be tomorrow or the next year, whenever it's needed, you will feel that power because he wants it done. And he's asking you to do it. And you say yes. And so for me, when in the Battle of Mosul, many times um, I began to hate ISIS. And one time in particular, but when I asked Jesus to forgive me and I gave it up, he surgically removed it like bang. And I thought, I don't have to hate anybody. I don't have to kill anybody. I just got to do the will he has in front of me. More recently in Syria, when the U.S. told the Kurds, back off the Syrian-Turkish border, the Turks are mad at you and scared of you. And the Kurds said, no, 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 if we do that, the, the Turks will invade. No, they won't. We're standing in the middle. Really? You'll, we'll stand in the middle. So U.S. government said they'd stand in the middle, which they did with some observation posts. The Kurds, against their own desire, took down their defenses and pulled back. And then October the 9th, at midnight, the U.S. pulled out. Mm. And we betrayed, we betrayed our friends. And here came the invasion, which is going on to this day. And we responded to that. And it was like, wow, we're overwhelmed. We've got a Turkish army, modern NATO force. We've got their proxies, many of whom are ex-ISIS, the pre-Syrian army and Syrian national army. The Russians came up the other side because now the Americans have backed off. The Syrian army comes in. ISIS reemerges. We're in the middle of it. Who are we to do anything? So before we came, and responded into Syria, into that maelstrom. We wanted to know, God, do you want us? We can't go out of anything but your spirit. And I, I put out five fleeces and asked God to make sure that we were, we're all going to die there. That's what we thought. And not just me, my whole staff said, Dave, I had a dream last night. You died in Syria. Yikes. And not just die. What good would we do? And, and who are we going to fight the wrong people? I don't want to fight the Turks. I mean, half the Turkish soldiers just following the orders. It doesn't make them innocent, but it also doesn't make them completely evil. So what's going on? What are we doing? And I had five fleeces. One that my family and my staff would say, Dave, you got to go. And me too. That happened. Boom. My team in Syria, the first said, don't come, Dave. You're just going to die. We don't want to live with that. Said, come. The Kurdish government next door that controls the access, which is very hard, said, please go. Go. The Turks would still keep invading, and they did. They kept invading, so there's still a need. And number five, I had a cancer in my ear, and it was malignant, and it needed to be cut out now. And the doctor said, I got to take a third of your ear off. You're going to be three weeks with this big thing, and you can't go anywhere. And I went to the hospital after the biopsy, and the doctor could not find a place to cut. And I prayed with him, and then he said, I can't find it. I can't cut off the wrong thing. Go to Syria. All those things went bang, 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 and I was on the plane to Syria. And many people died and were treating many wounded and feeding the civilians behind. And in the midst of that, there was a Turkish strike that killed one of my best friends, one of my teammates, Sal Sang, two yards from me, just missed me. I was behind the armored vehicle, just missed me. It badly wounded Mohammed, who's in the video, the, the Iraqi soldier who was shot six times saving Shaheen in the video. 
Right. And now baptizing the Tigers. It also wounded Jason, who's not in the video. But we baptized him the Tigers later. Two guys just baptized, both wounded. And but I looked at them, they're going to live. But I looked and I saw Zal, and he's dead. Hole through his head, in the temple and out behind the ear. Hole through his neck, about that big. And a big hole in his back, instantly dead. And I looked at him, I'm moving towards him, and something draws my eyes up. And I see his face in heaven. I've never seen that, ever. <laughs> and he smiling at me, and he looked at me, and he turned his head and laughed. And I thought, he's at, not just at peace, not just at rest, he's moving. Wow. And he's looking at whatever it is up there. But I knew he was in heaven. I thought, wow. And I felt like he looked at me like, hey, love you, brother. Keep going. Amen. What's going on down there is important. <laughs> Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. This is in heaven. It's important down there. Something of the story. Drive on, buddy. He wasn't even sorry for us. He just looked at us and smiled. Saw right through me and loved me. Amen. And see you here later. Don't be in a hurry. And he was happy. I see that and I go, wow, God. Thank you for showing me. But can we have him back? Can we have him back? I love him. Yeah. And we can ask for anything. So Jesus, send him back. And we evacuate him, back to the hospital, work on him for about an hour and a half. Oxygen, electric shocks, adrenaline, CPR constantly. Hour and a half later, Dr. Hassan, the Kurdish doctor, puts his hand on my arm and he says, is it enough? And I said, it's enough. You knew he was dead. Right, and he said he was dead the moment he was hit. Before he got here, he was dead. We could see that, but we kept working on him because we love you, mm. and you loved him, and we loved him like he was our son. Mm. And we would not stop until you're ready to stop. Mm. And then after that, we put him, put his body bag in a refrigerator truck that was right there to send him to the morgue. And we went right back to the front line, which is only two miles away by then. That's how far we pushed back. I got back to the Rocky Commander. There were seven other people hit. Bam, 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 bam. Three girls taken video, hit, killed by the Turks. And young, cute girls, like college-age girls in skinny jeans, documenting what's happening, dead. And a lot of others, and constant fighting. And the Tur Turkish commander, the Kurdish commander said, you just came back, you lost your teammate. I said, well, he's dead. And I saw his face in heaven. And we have things to do still here. We're with you, man, to the end. And we stayed with them until the offensive stopped. And that was God's plan. I, you know, I couldn't have stayed there forever, but we stayed there long enough to the offensive stop. We didn't stop it. I'm not sure what stopped it. I believe God did. And we were there, and there was a big funeral for Zao. And these Kurdish ladies who'd never met Zao, but heard about him and saw his picture, were crying over his coffin, wailing and saying, my son, my son, I've lost my son. Mm. And the day that happened, there were thousands out there in his honor. He's a foreigner saying he came from Burma and gave his life for us when others betrayed us. He's our son forever. And that sorrow I had was cut in half. And I, I love that saying, a sorrow shared is divided because it's true. Amen. A joy shared is multiplied. And I think that's one of the roles of the church is we weep together, we're sorry together, and we rejoice together. Amen. And that's a, that's a beautiful life. Well, that's not the end of the story. And I'm getting back to your original question about how does your heart change? And that was, I began to feel really angry at my own government and people in my government. Hey, man, you betrayed these people. Not only that, hundreds of thousands of them fled. 
over a thousand dead, many wounded, and my guy just got killed. What kind of leadership is this? It's totally immoral and it's horrible. And this anger rose up in me and it became more than anger. And I just said, Jesus, I don't want to have it. I give it up. I don't want anger. I don't want hate. I don't want revenge. I want the truth though. And help me have love. And then about 10 days later, Fox News shows up and they asked me what happened. I said, well, we just betrayed the Kurds. There's over 200,000 displaced behind me. There's families crying, being dead kids saying, why did you leave us? And my, my three of my team members are wounded. One's dead because of it. We made a big mistake and it's wrong. It's a wound to our national soul and it's a wound to my soul. And so what should we do? I said, we should say we're sorry and then fix it. We can. God always gives a second chance. First, you have to admit you're wrong and then fix it. We're not God and we're not the devil. It's just people. We're just America. Yeah. And we're here to help. And then I felt God say, Dave, tell President Trump you love him. And I had to make a decision. Do I? My friend just got killed because of his decision. All of these people around me that I care about have been displaced, not because he did it, because he allowed it. And I, I thought, yes, I want to love him, Lord. I need your help. And then something filled my heart, and I said, President Trump, I love you. I'm with you, man, sir, all the way. I'm behind you all the way. We just need to say we're sorry and start again. Stand with these people. You know, they're not angels. They're humans. Yeah. And the enemy, not devils. They're humans. But there's a way to do this, and God will show us if we ask him. And that's how recently my heart was changed again from hardness to doesn't mean I don't know what's wrong. It's wrong. Doesn't mean I'll, I'll run away. I'm not, unless right. God tells me. Right. Just like y'all have opened, you're going to do it. But I want to do it with a soft heart. And that's how y'all have done it. And only because of Jesus can I. There's no way I can do the right thing without Jesus. But he's available to all of us. And to me, when I say, Lord, I'll do it your way. I'll give him everything. And he, he helps us. Dave, I... One of my biggest fears, and, and after that entire story, it's almost, it just seems minuscule to, to ask this, but it, it's, it's the world I live in. I, it, I, I almost can't relate to 95% of what you just described. I wish I could. And I'm grateful. And, and it's, it's profound how you've, you've ministered to all of us. But I, I ask almost what seems a simplistic question. Um... One of my biggest fears of going into the ministry was the train wreck I saw of all the pastor's kids. And you were raised by a missionary dad. And, and that's a pastor's kid, PK kid. And thank God, I'm, I'm 56, all my kids walk with the Lord. I know no greater joy. But my colleagues, we've seen it. And, and I've, I've, one of my children went through a, a tough spell. But I, I, I look at, you know, you were, you were raised one way, and, and here you're, you're bringing your kids into the ministry. And, and the thing I thought about is, God called me, and he called my wife. But then kids come along. And they, they didn't get that option. They're just part of that family. But you've, you've, in, you've, you've sat them down before you would speak, and you, you had us talk with them. You put them as a principal. I was blessed by that. You include Thank them you. in everything you do. 
Can, can you talk on how God gave you that wisdom and what it's done? I mean, your kids are remarkable and wisdom is proven by your children. And I, I, that speaks volumes to me. And your wife, I, that, that touches me. Can, can you speak to how God showed you that to incorporate them and you give them a front row seat, you give them responsibility. Can you, can you elaborate for folks? And I'm sorry if it yeah. seems trivial, but that, that, that's relatable to me. I touch, I, it hit me. Well, thanks for being so honest and humble and encouraging. You're a great leader. All, all three of y'all are so humble and giving. It makes you want to be better. Makes me want to be better. <laughs> makes me want to tell the truth. It makes me want to serve Jesus more. Y'all are encouragers and knights in his service. And thank you. For me as a, a kid, I grew up as a missionary kid in Thailand. And my mom and dad are still there. Dad's 91, mom's 88. Boy. And they are nonstop up at five in the morning, reading the Bible and then exercising and then praying with people and having devotions and going to board meetings and going out in the jungle still on evangelism trips and they don't stop. And they raised me to follow Jesus. But it was when I went to boarding school that I had to make the decision myself because yeah. they weren't around. And I just said, Jesus, if you're real, help me, show me. And became real to me. Even though I, I, I walked my own pharisaical path later, which hurt. I made a lot of big mistakes. And, but God was always there and I was able to come back. But my parents' influence the whole time was love and purity. My dad would say, today, the priest must be pure. And if you're not pure, admit it, ask Jesus to forgive you, and drive on. Don't quit. doesn't matter how many mistakes you make. You keep asking forgiveness and keep going. Amen. And nothing stronger than the power of Jesus. And I learned this from my parents, whether it was changes in our hearts that we needed or facing the demonic or all kinds of enemies. You know, my dad first went over to Thailand. He was a petroleum engineer. He actually fought in the Korean War, then came back and got into oil business. My dad also went to a and as did my granddad. And my dad's an oil man and very scientific and rational. Good athlete. Better than me. Bigger guy, too. I'm kind of the small version. That's my mom. And <laughs> my mom was a Broadway singer. She gave up her career, and dad gave up his, and they followed the Lord in Thailand. Yeah. Well, my dad didn't believe in the demonic. He thought that's just the way of explaining things. He didn't believe in a Satan. And one day, he was out putting in a well in a village that asked for it that no water except from a stream that was polluted. And putting in this well, and the local um, leadership in the area became jealous because people are like him. He's putting in wells, he's sharing the gospel, and that's turning the world a bit upside down. So they got the police to kick my dad out. And he's a brand new missionary. He's like, what is this? And when he's finally forced out of the village by the local authorities, as he got to the Land Rover to open the door, he felt claws on his shoulder, like digging into his shoulder. What is that? And my dad turns around and he said, I saw the face of Satan. Hmm. I knew it was him. I had no idea he existed. And the words from Satan were this, I am Satan and I've beaten you. And my dad said, you are and you have. And he drove home got my mom and said, let's look at the Bible. What does the Bible say about this stuff? Oh, it's all over the place. We can't fight this just with reason and our will and our muscle. There's something bigger than us going on. But when we call, and so I grew up like that, 
calling on Jesus' name, watching people be released from spirits, watching my mom and dad be released from their own problems. Like one time, my dad and mom, my mom is very regularly late about everything. And dad is like, boom. And my dad's got to go preach at this village church. Mom is being late. Dad's in the car getting madder and madder and madder in the Land Rover. And it's a long, bumpy road. You can't go fast. Matter, matter. And finally, my mom gets in, and he launches off to her about, and we're in the back listening. It's all open like a Jeep thing. And he goes off about how unresponsible um, she is and uncaring of other people's feelings. And you think you're important. That's why you can be late. And we're here to share the gospel. And she, he gets madder, 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 just hammering her as he's driving. And um, finally, he says to my mom, who's now really irate, she's not on Broadway for nothing. And <laughs> my dad says, get the devil out of you, because they've just learned about this devil, right? Get the devil out of you in Jesus' name. My mom says, get the devil out of you. And my dad said, okay. And he stopped the vehicle, and he said, Jesus, please chase the devil out of me. And he said, I could describe it no other way than claws came out of my heart. And then my mom did the same thing. And they prayed and they made up and they went together. These are missionaries. Yeah. I watched this happen. And I watched how the Holy Spirit transformed. My mom and dad are always wonderful, but how it took my dad's temper was down. And I was raised by wonderful people. And just yesterday, my dad calls, because he can nowadays, to wish my daughter, the Saheli, the oldest one, her 20th birthday, and just to talk to him and pray, to have his, his leadership to this very day, to have him behind me all the way. I love him, and I love my, my mom. Amen. And so that's just a gift that I didn't deserve, and I'm so thankful for. And my kids, they're better than me. I did so many bad things by the time they're their age. They don't, they don't think it's cool what I did. They're like, that's funny, Dad, but we're not doing it. That's dumb. I was yeah. like, how do you know that? <laughs> so I don't know what they're like, except they're wonderful. But I do know as they get older and as they go more on their own different places, they're facing the same devil. They're facing the same temptations as I do. They're going to fail also in some ways. That's what we do. That's just, they're not that good. But I pray for them. I trust them. And I don't know what they'll do in the future. I want them to, number one, follow Jesus. They all decided to do that. I know that if my life is any example, there's going to be a lot of rough things ahead. But, but just like Zal looking down at me from heaven, it's going to be okay. It's yeah. going to be okay. God's yeah. with us. Yeah, yeah. You, you give them responsibility. That was purposeful, you and Karen, that you know, this, Early on, it just seems like you're you're always giving them responsibility from, and I only have a window in into your life from the movie. But it, it just seems that you you give them complete responsibility and you hold them accountable. There, th- th- I was just I was mesmerized by them. Well, I love them. Go out and saddle the horses, get it done. Yeah. Now. They're four years old, five years old. Uh, figure it out, man. We're here yeah. to help you. Yeah. You know the scene by, where I throw Susanna into the river? Yeah. yeah. Well, she had learned to swim by the time she was two. And at this point, she's four, so she yeah. can swim. Right. But when we're down in the river, it's a, it's a really fast river there. It's faster than it looks in the movie. And one reason I threw her so far is I wanted her to clear the worst part and make sure she didn't hit any rocks. I knew right. where the rocks were. Right. So there's a thought process in that. And 
Also, I wanted to her to keep developing her confidence to save her own life and confidence. She actually had a fever, like 102. She was sick. I thought, you know, that's not going to kill her. The water's cool. It's going to make it better. Yeah. You're not going to die of fever when you exercise. Amen. So all these things make her realize what's the real danger. And then I jump in with her and, and swim with her. But by the time they're very small, they're, you know, they're on horses when they're one. They can't do anything. I'm holding on to them. By the time they're three or four, they can ride, but not really control them. But by the time they're five or six, they can control them, kind of. And I, t- I remember when Pete was five, I was up hunting with him. He had just had a 22, but that's a real gun. You can kill yourself with it. Yeah. And I said, you go around that hill, follow your compass. They already taught him how to use this. Go around that hill, and I'll see you in an hour around this hill. And he's five years old. I was not worried about him shooting himself or somebody else or the wrong thing because I knew him since yeah. he was tiny. Right. He, he, had, he switched on. And I think that was God's gift that he was switched on. But also, it's like a frontier life. You, everybody does it together. Yeah. And, or like, you know, an American farm family. And that kid is, what, six, seven years old? They're on the, or younger. They're on the tractor, maybe the block. And they're moving that tractor around because we need them. Yeah. And that's been a blessing. But th- there are major gaps in their education. Like, yeah. they've never driven a tractor. We don't have them. We're walking. Yeah. And so here at Texas A&M, I hope to learn how to drive a tractor. <laughs> and there are other things they haven't done. But yeah. I am grateful for the things they have done and for who they are. I, I love them. I remember Su- Suzanne, when we landed in, we are on the desert of Sudan. There's fighting all around. We got bombed every day. And she looks at me and says, Daddy, we're not just a family. We're a team. I thought, <laughs> wow. Mm. And when we walked into university, her, to her dorm, and I was saying goodnight, I said, honey, are we still a team? Or are we just a family? He says, Daddy, we'll always be a team. Mm. I said, is it odd you that we're still here with you one weekend to school? She goes, no, <laughs> I love it. And oh, so man. I thought, wow, that's cool. Yeah. So anyway, um, I'm just grateful to be here and be with them. And watch them in school, and it hurts my heart when I'm. I know I'm going to be crying probably when we have to leave, but I'm most happy when they're happy. Amen. Yeah. Well, I, I, I don't want to keep you the whole night, but I wanted you to share, and maybe you, Alex. I, I wanted you to to tell everyone how you got connected with Dave, and vice versa, and because we we want to we want to support him in the effort to join the Free Burma Rangers and be a part of this ministry. And uh, the entire live stream broadcast immediately responded. And we want to continue to do this, but I, maybe you guys connect so everyone can hear about it and see it. So take it from here. Yeah, we actually, uh, in 2017, Dave, you were staying at Sean Linton's house, I, I think, if you remember. And, and there were two girls yeah. in the intern class. I was actually in California here, uh, drilling in the National Guard at that point, doing a, doing a, their special forces selection thing. And I came back from that weekend and they said, hey, guess who we met, like at Sean's house. And I said, tell me, I have no idea, right? And they said, no, Dave Eubank and his whole family was there. They were showing us videos of him in, in Mosul. And you guys had just gotten back from Mosul at that point, going through all these videos and, and showing them all this stuff. And, and I was like, wow, that's pretty wild. And they said, no, we, we told him about you. And he said, just shoot him an email, come work for me. And I said, wow, that's wild. So I, I did. And you just said, you basically used three sentences, as you always do for big life decisions towards me. It just said, hey, if you can, come out in December. Can you make it? And I just said, yeah, I think I can make it. I think I'll make it work. And, and 
uh, and it did. So, so I finished up that summer at uh, IJM, or International Justice Mission, and then went out that summer. And I think that was actually Jason's first time over there with you guys. Um, right. if I remember, yeah. So, so I met Jason over there and then Jason, Jason got to continue doing that. So, um, yeah. And, and that was a, that was a great, great time over there. Just spent four weeks, um, in, in the camp, getting to know everybody, getting to meet, uh, Dose, getting to meet monkey, getting to meet everybody, hmm. um, and, and seeing the camp. And that, I think that was also the 20th year anniversary. So there's, um, a lot of people coming in that had been a major part of the organization that I, Again, I was just lucky, luckily enough to see. I uh, just happened to be there. Um, and uh, and I guess the last thing that I'll say is one of the other things that hit me was um, I think that was when you baptized Joseph. Um, we had the baptism at the end of, yeah, at the end of, uh, of that school cycle. And if you usually, I, I guess you have the tradition of whoever wants to be baptized can be baptized. And um, I was surprised to see Joseph go up there because I, I knew that he had been with you guys for years. Um, and I, and I think he was Buddhist, right? Beforehand. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it just struck me because it's like, here's this, this guy, he's been a Buddhist. His family had been Buddhist for probably centuries. Right. And now it's like he, and he doesn't just respond to an altar call. He follows you around the world to these dangerous places to get shot at, to get blown up. Right. And, and he's just walking first. He walks first in it. And then the decision to say, Jesus is my Lord comes later and get dunked, right, and, and be baptized. And I saw you do that. And for some reason, it, it hit me. I'd never had that happen before witnessing a baptism, but I was like, there's so much, so much going on here. This is a pivotal moment in Joseph's life. And, and this is sort of like a, a microcosm of what goes on here in general. Why are there Burmese people in someone else's war zone? Right? Why, are, why are Kurdish mothers weeping and calling um, Zal saying their son? Right, it's so unheard of. No one hears about that stuff. It just doesn't. Yeah, Yeah. when you tell those stories, it's like battle-hardened veterans have never heard of that kind of stuff happening before. And and when they see it, it's like something so unnatural is happening here. And and I I saw that with Joseph. It's like that's that's such a crazy moment of commitment. And and Dave is he's not just being a soldier. He's not just being a relief worker. He's he's being a disciple maker. And and that was something that started to I think plant a seed to where I'm not Mm -hmm. now. It's like. I think I want to do that. I think uh, I, I, I don't want to just model an exciting life or, or to have adventures or to even be a relief worker and, and kind of split my time between the states and that. I think I want to make disciples in that way and say, hey, yeah. this is actually what it means to be like Christ. Yeah. Um, we go and we sacrifice ourselves for people that we haven't even met yet, but they're crying out to God, waiting for him to send help. Yeah. And, and no one else is coming, so yeah. it might as well be us. Um, and that was that was amazing to see. How, how do we how do we support you, your family, the ministry? Uh, I know what we can do for for Alex, but what what can we do? And and let let everyone know because th- this this to me is one of the purest forms of Christendom. It's it it just it's real. And, and it, it's legit, and I love it. Thank you. I, I look forward to seeing you in California. I know you've been really busy, but whenever God opens that door, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll send you all a message. And I'll say, I want to see you even for one minute. <laughs> I got all the time I, for you. That, that'll be awesome. 
I, I think what we need, you know, one, the very first thing is that I'm going to Alaska with my wife and my son tomorrow. And so pray that we can get in there because we don't have our COVID test yet. We're actually Alaska residents, so we don't need one until we get there. Then we got to get one there. And so pray for that whole process because I don't think we have time to get one tomorrow. And then we'll get it at the airport, but who knows what will happen there. God does. And so I need, we need prayer to get it through. And then we're going to be out in the bush for about a week. And, and we come back into Anchorage for about four days. And Alex and some friends are going to fly up. So pray for them that they, they can get through the tangle uh, to get there. Because you got to have a test now before you come. Unless you're a resident, then you get it on site. And so that, I lift those up in prayer. God, you want us to go? We think you do. You want Alex and his friends to come? We want them to. Up to you. That's prayer number one. Second is we have to make a decision in October, the beginning of October, go back to Thailand in our mission in Burma or go to the Middle East first. And normally we go back to Thailand first, but it's very hard to get in the country now. Once you're in, it's very hard to move or go in and out. So maybe we should go to the Middle East first. And that will impact Alex too, because if we go to the Middle East in October, I'm hoping he can come with us. And so these are prayer requests. Lord, when and how? Alaska first and then the Middle East and, and opening the doors there. Those are prayer. Now, why would you need to pray if God knows where to send you? I don't know. There's a lot of things getting away of God, it seems like. He allows down here. And he seems to like to open them when people pray. I don't know how that is, but Jesus said to pray. So I've seen it work. And I'm just asking you all, please pray. Alaska and then Middle East and Thailand. Amen. We want to go all of those. Yeah. We wrote a book. I wrote a book called Do This for Love, Freedom from Rangers in the Battle of Mosul. It's out now. If someone wants to buy it, buy it. If you can't afford it, let me know. I'll send it to you. And I hope that's useful. Yeah. I think those, I wish one y'all thank. I didn't know you had a copy of that. That's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and I think that's, that's basically it. And that our, our kids, my personal request is my kids can pass their classes and do well in polo and whatever else God has for them. <laughs> and right now, I'm mostly thankful for y'all. Yeah. And I, I will be in D.C. also in between at some meetings in D.C. And some friends of ours are showing the film at the Museum of the Bible, at maybe the State Department and somewhere else, maybe on the Hill. So God... We need your help to, to do whatever we need to do in D.C. to be your ambassadors there. Amen. So that's a lot of prayer requests. No, yeah. they're all good. Then they're yeah. easy. We'll, we'll cover those. Do you know the one, uh, we have some people watching that are friends of yours. They thought you were going to be here live and they brought the books and stuff like that. But they, you're an amazing man of faith. Your family shows that. And they wanted to ask, what makes great faith? What makes great faith is a great God who is, keeps his promises. And if we didn't have a great God who loved us, who made us and called it good, and then when we got lost, sent his son to die for us, you'd have nothing to be faith, have faith about. But it's coming from him. It's coming from him. This is the way he communicates. This is the medium of communication. It's called faith. And you have to take those steps out but that's how we communicate with God. We trust him and he's trustworthy. And 
I think what makes great faith is a great God and you look at him and you believe him and you move and watch what happens. Amen. Trust in the Lord and he'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word, taking him at his word and watching you take him at his word. Dave, you, you've blessed us. Thank you. And I, all the things that you've asked prayer for, we're, we're going to pray. Thank you. Uh, but thank you. That means a lot to me. <laughs> uh, and, and just like you, I'm going to do it before we, we go off the, the, the live stream. I'm going to do it right now. But I wanted to add one thing before I pray. I know you have a church family. I know you have folks that support you as missionaries. But, but consider God speak part of your church family. Uh, you, you don't know the folks, but I can tell you right now, they adore you and your family. You're home when you're here. If there's ever anything you need, we'd be hurt if you didn't ask us. We'll ask the Lord. I will do that. <laughs> yeah. Serious. I, I mean that with all my heart. So yeah. let me pray for you. Thanks. Hey, one more thing. Since yep. I'm looking right at Alex. Alex, don't worry about a place to stay. We have a place for you. We'll figure it out. I haven't had a chance to talk, but I got a lot of friends. Just come on. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, we literally <laughs> texted that about an hour ago. So I appreciate you answering that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's got the back of a pickup truck. It's really good. <laughs> yeah. Lord, we do ask for, for Dave that you would give him wisdom uh, in relation to what goes first, Burma or the Middle East. We also pray for favor as he enters Alaska, that you would give him the test necessary, that this COVID issue would be resolved, and that you would order their steps and make it very clear as they ask of you. And Lord, I, I pray provision and blessing for the teams to connect, and as they're all going to be in Alaska together, that you would orchestrate that. Your provision is wonderful. You're a good father. We trust you for all those things. And I thank you tonight, Lord, for the clarity that we began with and we want to conclude with, that we want everyone to know what a wonderful father you are and that you can be trusted and that there's going to be dangers and trials in life and life isn't absent of those. It's, they're very prevalent. But Lord, your presence in the midst of all those difficulties and all the pain is what brings clarity and strength and purpose and meaning. And Lord, sometimes we don't even have the answers, but we know you're a good God and we take it your word that you work all things together for good, even when we can't make sense of it. And Lord, I thank you for Dave and his family, and that this is a life that we've got to observe on a video, but it's, it's real to them. And Lord, tonight it's real to us that it's that simple. Just obey. And, and what's in front of you, if God says do it, do it. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for blessing us, giving us that clarity. And thank you for my brother. Bless him and his family in this ministry. We commit it all to you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 <laughs> Love you all. Love you too. Bless you. See you in California when God opens that door for us. <laughs> all right. It's open anytime. Red Rover, Red Rover. Come on over. Right. <laughs> Thanks. You bet. Right. Bye. Bye-bye. He's so, he's so humble, but the one thing is that uh, we can still bless him financially too. So Micah has the website in there yeah. and uh, yeah. that's always an option. He's not going to Their ask. website's amazing. He's not yeah. going to ask for anything like I that. Know. So folks, listen, that's, that's faith. And, and yeah. I, even, even when I offer that, he's just, it, yeah. he just, he, yeah. he, he doesn't ask us. He never will. Yeah. I was, he, he's going to ask the Lord. He always does. God provides yeah. every step of the way. Yeah. But you get to be a part of it if you want to be. And yeah. We'll give you access on how to do that yeah. for you. 
Nervous? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. When you're looking at me like that, I do get a little nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I do too, and I'm here all the time. <laughs> Lord, thank you, Alex, and I, I do ask that you would go before him, and what a joy just to be able to see who he's going to be working with, and Lord, we've witnessed it on the video, but uh, Lord, my brother now wants to step into that world and be used of you, and Lord, you haven't given him a spirit of fear. But a power, love, and a sound mind. He's going to come up against challenges and fearful circumstances and, and heartache. But in the midst of it, his faith will be established in such a profound way that we would witness this family of five that just touches all of us as we see that you are faithful to your word. And that's a family that's taken you at your word, Lord. And so do that for my brother. Bless him and just show him favor. And we ask for your protection. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, buddy. Well, uh, we're going to close with a blessing. Uh, this is out of Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. That's for you, yeah? And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And may the Lord be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. And so 145 episodes of sharing that blessing tonight not only did they say it back to us and we say it to them, but it's for you and, and uh, for the Eubank family and for the Free Burma Rangers and the testimony around the world and the folks waiting for your arrival in the Middle East and the folks waiting for your arrival in Burma and the harvest that God has in store and in the challenges and the heartache. He's going to be faithful to you all the way through. And so yeah. our prayers are with you. And so... Thank you, folks, for joining us tonight. I'm not sure who tomorrow night's guest is. What? Still working on it. Actually, I don't think we are. I think somebody big. I can't remember who it was, but it's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. and, I, and I've got a childhood friend who's known me longer than probably anyone. He's long, known me longer than Michelle's known me. And he's going to be on our program. He's written a book, and we've reconnected, and it's, he's really gifted. I actually, I actually got into politics because of this guy. Hmm. So you get to meet the man responsible for that. All right, well, that's it for tonight. God bless you guys. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you tomorrow night.